RT8K News. Good afternoon, it's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The top stories, a legislator threatens to start a no-confidence motion against the Secretary for Justice. There are calls from both sides of the political divide to maintain welfare spending, and in the US, a judge rules that a key piece of the Obamacare Healthcare Act is now unconstitutional. Lawmaker Lam Chuk Ting is threatening to table a no-confidence motion against the Secretary for Justice if she refuses to explain her decision not to prosecute former Chief Executive C.Y. Leung. He said Theresa Cheng and the Department of Justice had offered neither justifications nor revealed any findings by the ICAC on the $50 million payment Mr. Leung received from Australian engineering firm UGL. Because of the DOJ's decision and lack of explanation of the public confidence in DOJ have already been damaged. The Secretary for Justice have very strong legal argument that no prosecution should be laid against Mr. Siwalan. She should have tried her very best to explain her full rationale and evidence to the general public. In response to reporters' questions, the chief executive Carrie Lam says it's not, not her position to comment, but she believed Ms Cheng would be happy to make a response to explain the DOJ's decision. Legislators from both sides of the political divide are calling on the government to maintain welfare spending in the face of a significant fall in income. Lawmaker and executive councillor Wong Kwok Kin of the Federation of Trade Unions says he's been told the government's budget surplus for this financial year is expected to fall by about one-third from the $138 billion posted last time around. He said while this meant more cash handouts were unlikely, the administration should continue with relief measures for the poor. He said declines in the stock market could lead to contraction in the retail sector and rising unemployment. Pro-democracy lawmaker Joseph Lee, who represents the health services sector, called for public medical spending to be maintained, even in times of austerity. A federal judge in the U.S. state of Texas has ruled that a key part of the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, is unconstitutional. The judge agreed with a coalition of 20 states that the entire legislation had been invalidated by a change in the tax law last year, which eliminated a penalty for not having health insurance. More from the BBC's David Willis. President Trump has welcomed the decision. A statement from the White House called on Congress to replace Obamacare with an affordable health care system which protects people with pre-existing conditions. Other states have argued that eliminating Obamacare would harm millions of Americans and pending an appeal to the Supreme Court, the landmark health care legislation remains in place. The outgoing Republican governor of the U.S. state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, has signed into law a series of measures designed to limit the power of his Democratic successor. Among the legislation is a clause preventing the governor-elect, Tony Evers, and his attorney general from implementing a campaign pledge to withdraw the state from a lawsuit challenging the Affordable Care Act. President Trump has named Mick Mulvaney as acting chief of staff to replace John Kelly. Mr Mulvaney, a former Republican congressman, is currently director of the Office of Management and Budget. The BBC's Anthony Zercher reports. Mick Mulvaney has been a jack-of-all-trades in the Trump administration. The role of chief of staff will be his most daunting assignment, yet his two predecessors struggled to control a White House that has been bedeviled by leaks and personnel conflicts, and a chief executive who seems to prefer a freewheeling style of management. Mulvaney takes over at a time when the president's agenda will be under attack from a Congress now partially democratically controlled and an opposition party intent on providing aggressive oversight of the administration. 
Shares in the U.S. pharmaceutical giant Johnson and Johnson have plunged after a report that the company failed to disclose that small amounts of asbestos had sometimes been found in its talcum powder. The BBC's Michelle Fleury has more. Documents reviewed by Reuters showed that from 1971 to the early 2000s, Johnson and Johnson's internal tests sometimes found small amounts of asbestos in its raw talc and finished powders, and that it failed to disclose this information to regulators or the public. The pharmaceutical giant called the Reuters report one-sided, false and inflammatory, saying it ignored thousands of tests by regulators and independent labs that found its talc to be asbestos-free. Johnson & Johnson faces more than 10,000 lawsuits from people claiming its talc products caused their cancers. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past one. The Nobel Peace Laureate Nadia Murad has said she will use her prize money to build a hospital for victims of sexual abuse in her hometown in Iraq. Speaking to a crowd of hundreds in Sinjar, Ms Murad said she had secured the approval of the Iraqi government for her plans and construction of the building would begin soon. The Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison says his country now recognises West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, but added that Australia remains committed to a two-state solution for Palestinians. The BBC's Phil Mercer reports. Australia says it won't be moving its embassy to West Jerusalem, but could do so in the future if the city's status is finalised under a peace settlement. In October, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison said he found arguments in favour of relocating Australia's diplomatic presence from Tel Aviv to be persuasive. He denied his comments were an attempt to influence Jewish voters in a by-election in Sydney. There was support from the Israeli government, but Palestinian leaders said Australia risked becoming an international pariah. Sports now, and with our regular preview of this weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's Maz Faruqi. Manchester City kick-start the action in the English Premier League this weekend when they host Everton at the Etihad. It'll be the first league outing for Pep Guardiola's side since they lost their unbeaten record to Chelsea. How will the team respond? Tottenham also play on Saturday, fresh from their impressive 1-1 draw at Barcelona in midweek. They face a Burnley side, hoping to build on their first win in nine league matches. Elsewhere on Saturday, Crystal Palace play Leicester, Huddersfield Town host Newcastle, Cardiff travel to Watford and Bournemouth play at Wolves. The late kickoff is between Fulham and West Ham. The majority of the top sides play on Sunday, though, with Chelsea and Arsenal both in action in the early games. Chelsea against Brighton and Arsenal travelling to Southampton. The two sides are level on points in the Premier League, so both will be hoping for a win to try and strengthen a place in the top four. But the biggest match of the weekend takes place on Sunday between Liverpool and Manchester United. Jurgen Klopp's side beat Napoli in midweek to secure their place in the knockout stages of the European Champions League and haven't dropped points in the league since the beginning of November. So on paper, they should be the favourites. Jose Mourinho openly criticised his players again after their defeat to Valencia. Nevertheless, Manchester United will be targeting an upset at Anfield. From BBC Global Sport, this is Maz Faruqi. Well, as you heard just now, the highlight of this weekend will be Manchester United versus Liverpool. There's a huge contrast between the two teams, with Liverpool top of the Premier League with 16 games and no defeats, and 16 points ahead of United, sitting in sixth place. Man U have been constantly criticised over their uninspired style of play, and a top-four place is probably the best they can hope for. Jurgen Klopp, on the other hand, has been basking in praise over his attacking football and rock-solid defence. Liverpool have yet to win a trophy under Klopp, and tomorrow's game is arguably the most important of the season for both sets of fans. Here's Jurgen Klopp. 
it's a big one. And when I heard when I was back in Germany years ago, then I, when I heard about that game, I tried everything I can to watch it. That's uh, that's the truth. So, and um, very often it was very intense. Um, and now I'm in for a few year, couple of years, and um, it's it was always tight in the European League. We were very successful against them. That was really good in the league. I don't remember bad results too much to be honest. But it's um, um, I don't feel that we always that we always got the right result for the performance we had. Man United boss Jose Mourinho struck a somber note ahead of the big match. We have our our qualities. We have our potential. And even with the problems we have, and even with the doubts in terms of of team choice, of tactics, approach, philosophy, we have doubts about everything because we don't know which players are available. But we are going to arrive on Sunday, and with the players that we are going to have available, we are going to to have a team capable of going there and and fight for the victory. To cricket and India have lost an early wicket after dismissing Australia for 326 in the second test in Perth. A short time ago, the tourists were six for one in reply. Meanwhile, in Wellington, Sri Lanka are struggling at 270 for eight on day one of their first test against New Zealand. And to end the news, the top stories once again. A legislator threatens to start a no-confidence motion against the Secretary for Justice. There are calls from both sides of the political divide to maintain welfare spending. And in the US, a judge rules that a key piece of the Obamacare Health Care Act is now unconstitutional. The news from RTHK. Welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, in the chair till 3 p.m. This week, we have a mixed bag of hot new hits from a surprising number of places on the planet. We also have two new EPs from Portuguese techno-faro DJ Tori Ciardi and from Gabonese poet-singer-songwriter Pierre Akendenge. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we start off with our first brand new hit from Paris with a duet featuring Luan and Julien Doré. They're both singer-songwriters and actors, actresses in their own right. Luan, stage name for Anne Pecher, who came to fame 2013, just a few years ago on the TV reality voice contest show The Voice, La Plus Belle Voix. And she got her first album in 2015. She just released her second album, simply called Luan, at the end of t- last year. And she's here teaming up with Julien Doré, who also came to fame on a TV reality show. He won the fifth season of Nouvelle Star in 2007. And they're both uh, acting in movies. Luan started off uh, on the same year she released her first album. Uh, no, just before. 2014, her first role was in the film La Famille Bélier, The Bélier Family. And she got awards for that as the best uh, feminine hope of the year. Uh, this on her second album is very much a very much songs of melancholy and uh, a loss, in fact, which uh, reflects uh, her personal life. Julien Doré 